there, and welcome to the seventh episode of Beyond the Payment, a podcast in which we'll dive into the world of Affinipay's integrated partner ecosystem and get to know the people behind the tech companies. From understanding tech features to knowing someone's biggest pet peeve, our hope is that you get a taste of everything that happens beyond the payment. My name is Amanda Hike, and welcome to episode seven, where I sit down and chat with Chad Todd and Tom Boyle, the co-founders of TrustBooks, a law pay partner. Hello there, and welcome to Beyond the Payment. Today, I'm excited to talk with Chad Todd and Tom Boyle of TrustBooks. Chad and Tom founded TrustBooks in 2015 and have been very busy in the years since building awareness and continuing with product development. We'll learn more about Chad, Tom, and TrustBooks over the next 15 to 20 minutes. So thanks again for joining us to the listeners and welcome Chad and Tom. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So I usually like to start... um, with some stats, getting to know uh, some information and background on the person I'm talking with. But since today I'm talking to two people, I initially was like, oh no, how how are we going to make sure everybody knows who's who and who's speaking? But really, I think after we kind of run through these introductions, it's going to become pretty clear because in my opinion, Chad uh, has a very different inflection or accent than Tom does. So let's uh, explain a little bit more about where you guys are from. Um, I'm going to start with Tom with your hometown and current location where you live and work now. Yeah. I, well, I'm coming to you from North Carolina. So if you if you hear the better accent, that would be me. <laughs> um, I grew up in a small town in eastern North Carolina, Edenton. Uh and then I currently reside in Raleigh, North Carolina. That's where I call home base. And I've been here since uh, uh, 2003, I guess. Okay, Chad, do you have a rebuttal to that? I do. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, and I currently live in Columbia, South Carolina. Tom talks a lot about the accents, but he's the one who grew up in the country, not me, just for the record. So, Tom, I think the truth <laughs> will come out is ridiculous. <laughs> okay. And sticking with you, Chad, uh, where did you go to school and what did you study? I didn't go to a traditional university. I went to a tech school and I became a Microsoft certified systems engineer back in 98. And I was on the IT path for a good 15 or 20 years or so before Tom and I got, got connected and built TrustBooks. Great. And Tom, what about you? How did you yeah. study and get to where you are Quick fun fact on Chad. I think he's got a, a few books published, right, um, on the IT side. But uh, I, I went to home of Steph Curry, uh, Davidson College for undergrad, and then um, did a master's in accounting at Chapel Hill. So uh, kind of went the traditional CPA route. Okay. And then how did you get into legal tech? And um, Tom, what, what were you doing prior to that? Yeah, so the legal tech journey for me was um, started out kind of big four public accounting. And in 2010, I, uh, I got the entrepreneurial bug and launched Boyle CPA, um, originally named, and uh, started kind of this typical CPA. We did outsourced accounting, bookkeeping, but we wanted to focus on a niche. Our niche was law firms. So, uh, Kind of that that started this discovery of 
hey, being in, involved in legal tech, being involved in legal space, was saying, got a CPA practice, we're servicing attorneys, and it is 100% focused on law firms. So that was kind of my jump into um, being familiar with lawyers and um, kind of getting involved in the legal space. But you have some, you had some familiarity with lawyers prior to becoming a CPA. You have some lawyers in the family. Yeah, yeah, I do. So, um, you know, not me. I'm a CPA. I, I kind of tell everybody <laughs> I'm the odd one of the family that didn't go the, black, the traditional. A real black sheep being a that's CPA. That's it. That's yeah. it. You're right. <laughs> um, but uh, I've got grandfathers that were lawyers and judges. My dad's a judge. My brother's a lawyer. My uncle's a lawyer. My cousin's a lawyer. Literally, you know, you, you throw the the stone around the family tree and they're all lawyers. And so I, I kind of had this, you know, sit at the dinner table every night, talk to a bunch of lawyers. Uh, you, you get around that world enough and you're like, all right, I can speak the jargon, right? I, I almost mm-hmm. slept at a Holiday Inn and I'm a lawyer today. So. <laughs> I love it. Um, you found your own path sort of into the family business through a, That's maybe right. a side door a little bit. Yeah, cool. Um, so then, Chad, I also love your professional history and background. So so kind of take us through what you did with some of your IT background, some of your entrepreneurial pursuits, and maybe even tie that into how you and Tom ended up meeting and um, coming up with the idea for Trust Books. Okay, sure. My my first career was in sales. I did technical sales. And then I decided that I liked the technology side more than the selling side. So I became a Microsoft certified engineer and started doing IT work for a bank. And then that led me down the road of teaching IT. And what I really found out is that I love IT, but I was really passionate about helping others learn IT. So I started a company and did technical training and consulting for 18 years. And then on that path, I I diversified into the restaurant business. And that's actually where I met Tom. We were both part of the same franchise. I was on the franchisor and the franchisee side, but I was over South Carolina and North Carolina as the franchisor. Tom came to me as a prospect and joined the brand. And we opened some restaurants together. We opened about five restaurants uh, specifically for Tom. And along that journey, we really, we really got to know each other and our philosophies and our business and our passions were aligned. And he told me one day, you know, I've always had this, this idea for a product. I'm like, well, I'm a, I'm a technology guy. What, what is it laying on me? And he said, you know, my whole family is in legal and I've always done accounting and there's no real good software for trust accounting. And I said, great. What's trust accounting? So he had to explain everything. <laughs> I didn't know anything. And I said, okay, silly Tom, everything that, that's, that could be invented has already been invented. Let me just find this for you and send you a link. Two or three weeks later, I was still looking. I couldn't find anything. So that's when I got with him and I said, all right, let's do this. And we started mapping out the future of what would be trust books just based on the real pain points him and his family and acquaintances had felt over the years trying to do it. I always represented the technology side. He always represented the accounting side. Very good. Obviously, I've heard that story before. Um, it just, I think it's so interesting, um, especially your perspective, Chad, that everything that is going to be invented already has been. Um, clearly not not true. Uh, what else have you kind of discovered in the time since that maybe 
you found is missing from legal specific accounting and legal specific accounting technology solutions? That's an interesting question. And it's probably one of my favorite parts of our trust book journey is I get to talk with thousands of attorneys about accounting and their business and what's working and what's not. And what we've realized over the years is that attorneys are super afraid of accounting. It's this real fear that paralyzes them. And when you're paralyzed about something, you don't enjoy doing it and you don't do your best work. So what we did when we rolled out trust books is we devoted ourselves to making it as simple as possible so that the non-accountant can do it. I'm actually the, the litmus test, so to speak, for, for our user base. If I can do it, anyone can do it because I'm not an accountant. So Tom and I were, have worked together to build a product that a person like me that's normal can use. <laughs> and what we've uncovered is that, it, I'll speak for me, is that if you if you pull away the layers of fear around trust accounting, it's really only a handful of simple principles at the end of the day. If you're using the right tool for the job, it doesn't have to be difficult. And then we, we've found, as we've talked to more and more customers, that all they really want is to spend the least amount of time doing accounting as possible and being sure that it's done correctly. And we've kind of been evolving our product every three to six months to make sure we help them uh, meet what they need. We've uncovered some trends. We're seeing a lot of people who want to be able to integrate between softwares. They want to be able to touch data once, not twice. Uh, there's also a movement towards being able to outsource things and, and get people to help you with things completely as opposed to doing it yourself. So we're we're working towards heading in that direction ourselves. Great. Um, so, Tom, over to you. Uh, this is a podcast that's brought to you by Affinipay, which is the parent company of LawPay. And we're talking to... Uh, uh, people that uh, companies that participate in our integration partner program. So how the heck does a legal specific payment solution fit in with a legal specific accounting solution? Explain the connection between law pay and trust books. Yeah. So it, it's really this, this beautiful kind of synergy that we've got between law pay and trust books especially focused on the trust account, law pay is going to help you collect the money. You know, so what's what's number one step? You've got to bring the money in the door. Law pay is going to solve that solution for you. The next step is you've got to be able to record the payment that comes in the door. And that's where trust books comes into play. So we, we see this combination of law pay and trust books as a great one two to kind of handle all the aspects that you need around collecting money into the trust account. You collect it through LawPay. They've got all the, the skills, the expertise, the features that uh, allow you to do it in compliance with the state bar. And then you've got to take it to the next step to record it. And so the integration that we've got with LawPay allows you to you know, do all the collecting through LawPay. And then we build in to where we're going to import that information directly into TrustBooks. Um, and we're even going to allow you to import it in a way that it's going to make it really easy to tie into your bank statement because that's one of the key aspects of, of good trust accounting is being able to reconcile back to your bank statement. So it's that that combination of, of taking the money, bringing it into trust books, assigning it to the right clients, and then being able to easily tie it back in um, to your bank statement. And so that's where our integration works. I think we've been going on maybe three plus years with this integration. 
Um, mm. The neat thing is that we're about to evolve the integration and kind of taking the next steps to do more things with LawPay inside of TrustBooks. So um, we're really excited to kind of have that being launched here in the next few weeks. Yeah, great. Um, I I remember our origin story of my first recollection of meeting uh, Chad and Tom was at ABA Tech Show. I think it was in 2017. We were in Chicago and uh, Chad kind of wandered o- wandered over to the booth and we struck Sounds up a right. conversation. And yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he told us some embarrassing stories about Tom at that same at that same Sounds time right. as Chad is. <laughs> I'll make embarrassing videos and pictures. I keep them on my phone for emergencies or <laughs> new business meetings. There's no shortage of uh, pranks going back and forth between these two in my experience. But anyway, um, one of our um, engineering leads, uh, a gentleman very familiar with our APIs was at the show and at the booth and he and Chad kind of sketched out the architecture of the integration kind of on the back of, it probably wasn't a napkin, um, but it probably was maybe a, a, a map of the booth set up in the show floor. So it was it was a pretty organic um, start to our relationship, but it really, um, I think both sides have done a good job of innovating with our APIs because TrustBooks does use law pay technology in a different way than a lot of our practice management or billing and invoicing partners do because your product doesn't collect money, it just organizes money. So I think it's pretty neat the way you guys um, tapped into the capabilities beyond just accepting payments. So that's that's kind of my my take on our history between TrustBooks and LawPay. Yeah. Um, is there a specific firm size or specialty that is a good potential for looking into the TrustBooks product? You know, um, for us, we play in the small law firm market. So that can be solo practitioners up to kind of our sweet spot is about 10 attorneys. Um, So that's kind of where we focus. Uh, It's the team that's doing it a lot themselves, you know, managing their trust account, managing their accounting a lot themselves. Uh, In terms of practice areas, we don't have a set practice area. We play really nicely across all practice areas. Um, we, te- we seem to have more concentration, let's say, in personal injury firms and in criminal okay. defense and family law and um, trust in the states and immigration. I think a lot of that is because that's the they tend to skew a little smaller on the firm mm-hmm. size. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that in a, across geographies, we're in almost all 50 states. We've got international users. So uh we play nicely across the, the entire U.S. Yeah. And so since you've kind of figured out that that's your, your sweet spot, how have you then positioned TrustBooks? Are you attending a lot of events? Are you uh, working with bar associations? Kind of how, how are you working? The, the legal tech space can get a little crowded. So how are you guys putting inserting yourselves into the market and... Um, uh, positioning yourselves with firms that you think are a good fit. We've done a little bit of all the traditional methods. We've got partner benefits in quite a few states. We've attended a lot of the shows like ABA and ClioCon and some of the local bar shows. But really, the majority of our growth is organic. 
and that one attorney loves us. They're a raving fan. They're listening to another attorney who's complaining about how much they hate trust accounting and go, hey, man, we got the answer for you. And they give us a referral. They come to us and we get their friend on board and take good care of them. And on the story goes. So I would yeah. say that the real secret to our success has just been trying to give great service and a great mm-hmm. product. And then the customers grow up for us. But we we do try to participate in as many shows and events as we can. Yeah. Any companies either in legal or elsewhere that you sort of admire their brand and how they've built and nurtured that brand that you look to for inspiration or guidance? I'll stick with stick with Chad for a second. And then I want to get Tom's insights on that as well. Well, I'm not just saying it because of who's sponsoring the podcast, but, <laughs> but Finipay is definitely a company that we really, said- really admire. Um, you know, just Amy's vision for the company and, and where she started and how fast she's grown it is really a good good example for all of us as, as business leaders. And the whole philosophy of how you guys work with all other vendors, you don't really compete with them. You help the other vendors have stronger products and do better. And then we've never really met anybody or I haven't met anybody inside of Finapay that's not amazing to work with, doesn't help you when you need something. The whole culture there is to, to serve your vendors, your partners, and your customers mm-hmm. well. So we really look to you guys as an example of how to build and grow a good company. Well, yeah, I, thank you. That was not prearranged, but it is appreciated. <laughs> Tom, what about you? Yeah, I'll, I'll maybe tackle it from not your, your typical company, potentially, mm-hmm. but uh, a, a group that we really admire is the Florida Bar. Um, we've got an awesome relationship with, with the Florida bar, with Terry Hill, with the legal fuels team. And if you look at the legal landscape, I think they have done a phenomenal job of just supporting their members and providing resources and being on a very proactive approach to saying, how do we, you know, go out here, build stuff like the legal fuels, uh, marketplace and, um, actually, you know, be a, a very supportive bar for our members. And so um, we look to them as, a, a, you know, a group that is doing it top notch. Great. That's such a great example. It's so, and we also have a great relationship with Terry and the Florida bar, but it's so nice to hear, especially a, a year or 14 months into a really sort of topsy-turvy <laughs> global pandemic situation to hear about an association that continues to innovate and support its members in really important ways that are applicable to, um, you know, for-profit uh, yep. private sector companies. So thank, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And um, just jumping back to sort of the co-founder relationship for a little more insight on that, it sounds like you kind of had both been entrepreneurs previously prior to trust books. So was having a co-founder, was that intentional because you both had kind of done things, projects on your own and you understood that maybe it would be nice to have a partner or, or a buddy, or was it more so just because you have these pretty unique skill sets that almost um, you, you maybe couldn't have done it without the other one? Tom, what do you say? Yeah, so uh, luck better, plays. Are you better off or worse off? With, I don't know. I don't know. Depends um, on the day, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, I, this has been a, a really awesome kind of journey experience. Uh, when you run a business kind of on an island, you're you're kind of the entrepreneur, you're you're the the leader, but you don't have a a co leader. 
um, it can be challenging. It can be really difficult at times. Mm-hmm. You you kind of operate on an island. There's nobody to bounce ideas off of. So going into this next business with Chad, it's been um, it's it's been very you know a very good blessing you know I, to have a, a partner. It's also I don't know that you could uniformly say that Chad and I, you know, we get along, we complement each other's skill sets. Um, our, I don't know. We're, we're kind of weird that we don't have really other hobbies um, other than <laughs> like starting businesses. So that can be good and bad, right? It, it means that our head and our minds are always tinkering with stuff. But um, yeah, so we're very, I think, fortunate to just kind of uh, connect and, start brainstorming together and see where it unfolds. And, uh, you know, I, I think for me, at least, um, it's been a, a very solid, uh, having a partner in, in trust books. Yeah. And so Chad, who does what, and did you have you, or do you consciously define roles or is it just kind of always obvious who's, who should be doing which parts of, of leading the business? I'd say it's kind of obvious. We each have our natural abilities and we, we try to align around those. Uh, we also have the things that we're most passionate about. And we feel that if you're really passionate about something, sometimes that's even more important than having a natural uh, ability mm-hmm. for it. So we've tried to divide things through the company, but we do try to be clear about who's in charge of what, because at the end of the day, if, if someone doesn't own it, nobody owns it. And someone has to be responsible for each thing within the company. So there's certain things where, Tom and I almost always agree, but if we don't, we'll say, okay, Tom, that, well, we've defined that that's, that's your decision. You decide or Chad. Okay. That's more your world. You pick. And it keeps us from having any type of conflicts because we've already decided up front who's in charge of which sections. I feel really lucky with Tom because our skill sets are different, but our passions and our work ethics are the same. So there's mm-hmm. enough statement of us to where we can drive each other and help each other do great work, but we're different enough to where we bring different things together and make a great product like in, in trust books. If I was doing trust books alone, it would be like one button that you would click and everything would magically happen. <laughs> Tom would say, that's awesome, Chad, but then you're not doing any trust accounting. So it's like he he helps balance me out and I balance him out. And in the end, we, we land uh, right where we need to be for our customers. Great. So just this is maybe a little out of left field, but if you weren't, if money was no object, what would your dream job be? And it sounds like this shouldn't be hard since both of you admit that your hobby is work. So Chad, what's your, what's your dream occupation if not doing franchise management or IT or, <laughs> or trust books? Probably for the phase of life I'm in now, I would love to do something related to travel. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, be able to do um, photography, not that I'm any good at photography or, or uh, writing or something, but being able to travel around and visit unique places, unique cultures, and unique people, and then share those experiences with others. Nice. Would you be doing that travel in a motorhome? <laughs> well, maybe. We, we have a- tried that adventure already. <laughs> that's that's another 90-minute podcast for your uh, people who are interested. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for Tom to get back at Chad for all of the uh, embarrassing pictures and uh, stories that he's had over the year. Tom, tell us about Chad's travels in in a motorhome. Yeah, so Chad and, and family um, decided that kids were, were going to be virtual school this year, right? It, like everybody. 
And so they've got an RV. So they said, oh, you know, it'll be easy. Let's just do the RV up and down the East Coast and um, everybody will, will get into their routines and plug in and um, easy peasy. And uh, I think it was when maybe you went under the overpass and half the top of the RV <laughs> came off that that was maybe the final straw to say, all right, it's in the middle of a pouring down rainstorm that uh, that might have been the final straw for you to, to turn it in after a couple months. Yeah, we definitely did decide to <laughs> trip a wee bit short when we collapsed in the back of the camper five states away from home. That, that for sure was not our finest moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it uh, happens. Have, accidents happen. Um, sorry. Sorry, Chad. I just had to. I had. It to was get magical that. in the planning stages. It seemed amazing. <laughs> we got about... 15 minutes from the house and war broke out with the kids and we're like, Oh man, what have we done? Just six more weeks to go. Yeah. Well, we didn't really cover family. Uh, Chad, tell us if you, if you're comfortable, share with us a little bit about your, your domestic situation. Yeah. Um, my wife's name is Sarah. We've been married for 20 years or so. And we've got three boys, uh, 12, 13 and 16. Oh my goodness! In a motorhome for the <laughs> half a motorhome. We just have half the motorhome now, but yeah, at one don't time forget, we had the whole thing. Don't forget the sixty-four animals you've got on the farm too. That is true. My wife has a hobby farm that she built. We moved uh, to the country and got some land maybe about two years ago. So she's been slowly building a hobby farm since we've been here. We had two requirements when we moved. She wanted land to build a hobby farm, and I want to make sure we had gigabit. So we were able to find a spot <laughs> in the middle. I've got my broadband. She's got her farm. We're both happy. Everybody's well. happy. Love it. Tom, what about you? What's your home life all yeah, about? Yeah, I've, I've got a wife of 15 years, almost 15 years, um, Amy. And she, we've got two kids, uh, Adair, who's six, and Patrick, who's four. Um, and they're they're doing great. So they're uh, it's a good, good little setup we've got. Yeah, great. Um, so it's been a tough year. Obviously, uh, but things do seem to kind of be getting back to normal. Uh, what do you think that means? What do you think normal will look like for law firms in the next two to five years? Any predictions on kind of what changes that we've made in the last year will stick around and become permanent versus what you think will maybe go back to the the way it was? Tom, I'll start with you. Yeah, I, I think one of the trends that I'm seeing are maybe twofold. One Law firms are finding out that they can run their practice much more efficiently, much more cost effectively. Um, they're not having to to maybe go get the fanciest of office spaces. They're not needing the you know huge support team or, or the the legacy systems as much. And so they're finding out that running a law firm is much more economical these days than it probably was a decade or two decades ago. So that's that's one trend that I'm seeing, and I think that's going to lend itself to more and more people, attorneys saying, I can do this. You know, they're not going to be handcuffed by, I, I need to commit to a huge overhead out of the gate mm -hmm. that they can have the confidence to just go out there, um, open up a practice and, and feel confident that they can do that out of the gate without being, you know, burdened with a lot of startup capital. So that's that's one aspect. And then the other aspect is, um, you know, everybody's embraced the cloud. Uh, you know, it's legal is can sometimes have technology move at a snail's pace 
And this past year, as we've seen, as we've heard from a lot of the, you know, legal tech leaders in the space, um, people have embraced the cloud technology. They are setting up their virtual law firms so that they are not having to be tied to, you know, these on-prem server-based, very complex, very expensive type setups. So um, those are awesome. Those are great to see. Yeah. Anything to add, Chad? Hey, I agree with Tom 100%. I, I would also add that I don't think we can put the genie back in the bottle for people working from home and being remote. I think now that we've we've fast forward the technology and people have just proven that they can be productive at home, sometimes more productive. I don't see a world where you can get people going back to an office full time just because I think there's always going to be some hybrid of work at home, work remote to get the best out of your employees, to keep them happy and allow them to work when they're able. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm also excited to start um, seeing some feedback and some learnings. Probably we'll see some of it from the annual Clio Legal Trends Report about client expectations. I, I bet clients aren't super anxious to get back to attorneys' offices either now that they're kind of used to doing a lot of the a lot of the work virtually that they maybe had to physically bring paperwork or um, stop by to make signatures or, you know, drop off a check to make payments. Um, I think, I think there's going to be a lot of client expectation that a lot of that stuff stays virtual as well. Okay. Well, so usually at this point in an episode, we do what we call the lightning round. But since we're doing this, uh, this talk with some co-founders, I'm going to switch it up a little bit and convert our lightning round to uh, how well do you know your partner? Oh, brother. That is a curveball. So so I'm going to ask you some questions. This is a bit of an experiment. We'll see how it goes. And Chad, I'll start with you. So I want you to answer these questions. Best guess for, for Tom. So I'm curious if you know what Tom's dirty TV secret is. Does he have a TV show that... Uh, he loves to watch, even maybe loves to hate that he watches. I don't know of a show that he's watching now. We typically work for fun, but I do know that he loves to binge watch a series. So he'll he'll dig into a series and burn through nine years of TV in like two weeks. It's like no one I've ever seen. I don't know how he does it. And then he kind of feels lost when he can't find that next thing to watch. So I think he's in between series now. I could be wrong, but he's definitely okay. a binge watcher. All right. Is is Tom a cat person or a dog person? Tom would be a dog person. Okay. Do you know what, does he have a favorite candy? I don't know if it's his favorite, but I've seen him eat about 50 of those thousand grams or a hundred grams, whatever they are. (laughs) They're small. So he thinks it's okay to buy them four at a time. He really, really likes those. He's up to a million grand by now. Uh, where, what's Tom's dream vacation? Somewhere on a beach with a book in a pool and lots of Uh quiet. Okay. Sounds good. Um, does Tom have a secret talent or a skill? I don't know that it's a secret, but he's really good at digging into the details to unwind a problem. So forensics or investigative type work, he's the one you want to send in and say, hey, figure out what's shaky here. He'll go in and put it into a, a spreadsheet with 39 tabs and come back out with it. You're kidding. Tom <laughs> using a spreadsheet? That, it's, that's shocking. It's kind shocking. of impressive. I like to just watch it for fun. It's like those genius kids with the Rubik's Cube. It's the same thing, but 40-year-old with a spreadsheet. 
Tom's Tom's like, give me a pivot table and I'm entertained for for weeks. Does he have a favorite sports team? He does. He is a Davidson grad, so he is all over Steph Curry. I know. He couldn't even – we weren't even two minutes in before Tom Tom dropped a Steph Curry name, name dropper. That's right. All right. Um, and the final question is what uh, – this one's for you, Chad. I want you to ask, answer this as you. What is your favorite, besides Chad Todd Tom Boyle, as you're known at Affinipay, we, we don't say one of you without the other. It's a combination. Who's, who's your other favorite duo? Oh, Kirk and Spock, for sure. That would have to be the one. Yeah. <laughs> your favorite duo. All right. Very well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. And now we're going to jump over and do the same. Same with oh, Tom. Out of time. Okay. Sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll make time. We'll extend this episode. Uh, this is, there's, there's two of you. This is a twofer. So, Tom, uh, thinking about everything you know about Chad, what's his dirty TV secret? You know, Chad is a big um, Joanna and Chip fan. Oh, so, yeah. I, I think when he's got to go, you know, binge on some TV, uh, mm-hmm. for, I don't even know what it's called, but. Uh, the gains, whatever Joanna and Chip. Yeah. No, this doesn't work if you just make up embarrassing stuff as we go through. It has to have a shred of truth in it. Did you? I, I will refrain. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> I may right. have watched an episode of two or 50 of Fixer Upper. Just saying. There you go. Yeah. There you go, Fixer Upper. Um, well, we love Chip and Joanne, Joanna because they're from Texas, like Athena So they're right up the road in Waco. So. Um, so is, uh, is Chad a cat person, a dog person, a chick, a chicken person, a duck, like what <sighs> sheep, goats, what else? Mini uh, horse. Um, a mini horse. <laughs> uh, I think it's, it's a lot of the, all of the above. He was just at the Biltmore this past weekend and, uh, came dangerously close to coming home with a few baby goats. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he also just got five ducklings that are, uh, in his bathroom. So, I, I don't know that you could limit Chad to just one animal. Um, he's a, a lover of all pets. Yes, to cat person and dog person and yes. everything else. Well, that's great. Uh, favorite candy. How are you going to get him back on this one with your 10,000 grand? So one of, the, one of the things that Chad does always is he's constantly on these uh, no carb diets stuff. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. So um, I would say instead of candy, if you put some beef jerky, then he is going to go to town on beef jerky, and that would be his candy bar of choice. Okay. That's true. I like it. It's true. I can say I've had a few carb-free dinners out with with Chad as well. Um, does he have a secret talent or skill? So this guy has uh, secretly, or not so secretly, been learning Italian for the past oh, couple years. Right. So self-taught uh, Italian guru. Gosh, you guys, this is not what I expected. I thought I was going to hear, you know, opera in the shower or ukulele. These are like legit talents, not, not just, uh, gosh, these are so accomplished. Um, all right. What does, is Chad into sports? Does he have a favorite sports team? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, let, let's just go with the bears. <laughs> Maybe the Wildcats. 
Okay. All right. And that can mean a whole lot of different teams. It uh, can. He, I was going to say the Bears of Chicago or is no, this no, one? No, of... we're not going to get more specific okay, than that. Just... He, so we're just going to say Bears and Wildcats. Okay. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm probably the only man in the universe that doesn't watch sports. No sports <laughs> all for you. At all. I used to be a huge Chicago Bulls fan, and then I realized I wasn't a Chicago Bulls fan. I was just a Michael Jordan fan. And when he left, mm-hmm. that was that, that was, was it. it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that that seems legit. Um, so, Tom, favorite favorite duo for I mean, you? The classic, yeah, Batman and Robin. Right? Batman and Robin. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well. Um, well, thanks, you guys. As always, you've been great sports, um, and it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Um, Everyone at Affinipe is, a, a, like I said, a big fan of Chad Todd and Tom Boyle. So thanks for kind of sharing your personalities, um, your professional expertise, your amazing, interesting backgrounds, and um, some funny stories with Beyond the Payment audience. Um, we're really grateful to have had you. And thanks so much. Thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Thanks. See you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Beyond the Payment. I want to thank my co-producers, Keely Leonard and Jen Curtis, and a round of applause for Ryan Berry, who wrote our original theme song. If you liked what you listened to today, please like and subscribe to Beyond the Payment. Thanks again for listening. I'm Amanda Hike. We'll catch you next time.